The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gam Podcast are now represented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today and bet $100 to get a free extra $100 at sportsgampodcast.com slash winbet, sportsgampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast. Now, it is currently Saturday, February 25th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. And once again, we have a jam-packed episode because we do have several matches to go through. We got five in particular. We have the two semis going on in Marseille and in Rio de Janeiro. And we also have a final taking place in Doha. Delha with its unique schedule, once again, having the final on Saturday. So we have one final and we have four separate semis to go through. Should be a very fun episode. But before I get into any of the picks and previews for those five matches, do want to recap how we did on the last episode first. Overall, pretty good episode. Ended up splitting the lock and the dog. However, we did make profit because we did win the dog. We lost on the lock with Barrios Vera Moneyline at minus 125. He looked very good in qualifying. We dared Fognini to show signs of life after he had been horrible in singles, and Fognini was absolutely incredible. Then he proceeded to end up giving Alcaraz a series run for his money, but Fognini ended up beating us pretty comfortably, really never in doubt, sweat-free loser there. But we did win on the dog. We ended up having Lahovich to win in straight sets at plus 145 against Schwartzman. I can't believe that was plus 145. I'm going to sound like a broken record. Schwartzman's washed. I feel like most people realize that by now. But we got an early on that trend, and it has paid off for us. And hopefully we see Schwartzman again because fading him is free money. So hopefully that ends up coming to fruition at some point. But we'll see. Not sure if Schwartzman's going to move down to challengers for a bit. Maybe he'll just take some time off. But I'll keep fading him if he keeps showing up. Now, anyway, to go through some of the outrights that we had uh, going into the actual tournaments, do want to go in order here. So starting off with Doha, we had one really good outcome, which was Medvedev making the final as he ended up beating Felix in straight sets once again. I believe he is 6-0 and against Felix in his career. Felix can't beat him. It's just a mental block at this point, and it is what it is. So that was definitely nice. But the best case scenario, when you give out a tournament, a preview is to have two outrights and to have both of them play against each other in the final to automatically win. And we almost had that because we had Leshika at 15 to one. He beat Rublev uh, the other day. So looked like we were in pretty good shape was facing off against Murray yesterday and he lost the first set six, nothing, not ideal. However, he did come back and win the second set. And then he ended up leading the third set by a break and he also had two match points on Murray's serve. Now, unfortunately, he was not able to capitalize, but it's fine. You're serving for the match. You're still up a break. What can possibly go wrong? It's 15 love. Good start to the game. 30 love. Great start to the game. 40 love matches over, except it wasn't because Leshika ended up blowing the match. He lost all three points on his serve, serving for the uh, serving for the match with match points and then proceeded to get broken, and then he lost in the tiebreak. So Leshika had five match points to send us to an all-outright final for us, and instead he choked it, and Murray came back and won. Now, Murray, there's, I can go on for a while about Murray because what he's doing with the metal hip 
And with the comebacks and everything, it's ever since we saw the matchup against Kokonakis in the Australian Open, he's just become really a, the, one of the most resilient players I've ever seen. And he always has been resilient, but the fact that he's been able to do this at this stage in his career is really just impossible to even envision. And Murray ended up rallying from the dead, basically, to beat us. Now, on the bright side, Medvedev is still in the final, and we took him. On top of that, he's roughly a minus 600, minus 700 favorite. So hopefully it won't matter. But I at least have to point out the fact that we were that close to getting a 15 to 1 shot against probably a plus 170, plus 180 uh, tournament outright as well. So you could have ended up hedging in the final automatically to make extra units. Now you can't do that, but hopefully Medvedev wins, and if he does, then we'll live with it. But still, heartbreaker there, and that was definitely unfortunate, but we do still have one outright in the final, so that's definitely a good start. Now, moving on to Marseille, we had two finalists, or we had two uh, outrights still alive entering the quarters yesterday. Herc has won, barely ended up fighting off a match point against Yemmer in the tiebreak and ended up coming back and winning the tiebreaker so in the third set. So nice win there by Herkaz. Hasn't looked great, but he's looked good enough in theory to get the job done. Fought off a couple of break points with big serves and then ended up coming back in the breakers as I said before. So nice job by him to get the job done. And we have him at around 500 or 550. And then we had Diminor, who was around the 7 to 1, 750 range. And unfortunately, he actually had a very good path, but he ended up losing to Bonzi. So it looked like he was going to be able to force a third set because he opened up a pretty decent lead there in the second. And then Bonzi just destroyed him in the back half of the second set. So we have one outright left going into the semis as we have Herkaz, who's taking on Bublik in the semis. And we'll talk about that match in a second. But we do have an outright that's still alive in that tournament. And then for the last one in Rio de Janeiro, we had two outrights. We had Alcaraz at roughly minus 125, minus 140. At the time, we didn't exactly have lines available. And then, of course, just by bad luck, the odds got posted about half an hour after I posted the episode. So Alcaraz was around minus 140, minus 150. We took it anyway, just because we thought that he was the best player in this field by far. Alcaraz is still alive. He hasn't exactly looked great in this event, but he hasn't dropped a set. He's been on the... As you know, he has. He lost the first set to Fognini, but he's still alive. That's all that matters, and he's a massive favorite in his semi-matchup against Jari. But unfortunately, Jari did beat Baez last night, so Baez was our somewhat long shot at 10-1, to and now we only have one left. So on the bright side, we do have an outright alive in each of the three tournaments this week. The problem is we didn't have automatic profit because uh, Yuri choked it. But it is what it is. One, we'll take what we got, and hopefully Medvedev wins. So it's a moot point, and hopefully Alcaraz and Herkaz run the table, and we could sweep all three of these tournaments. But uh, time to actually get into the matches for the final. We'll start off with the final here in Doha. You have Medvedev taking on Murray. Medvedev roughly minus 600, minus 700 on the money line. The spread is pretty consistent. Medvedev minus 4.5 at minus 120. And Murray plus 4.5 at around even money. Uh, as for the total, it's around 20.5 for 21.5. 20.5 slightly juiced to the under at minus 115. And the 21.5 is juiced to the under at minus 135. If you want to back the Murray to win a set train, that's plus 150. And if you want to take three sets, you could end up getting plus 190. If you want to continue the Murray deciding set 
uh, train. You want to just keep riding the trend. That's plus 190. Now, to look at some of the props here, which are fun, the over-under total aces is 9.5. Medvedev aces is at 7.5. Murray's is at 1.5. Uh, breaks of serve over-under 4.5 total. Medvedev to break three three and a half times. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 115 as well. And Medvedev to break twice is plus 115. To break less than twice is minus 145. And double faults over under three and a half. Over is juiced to minus 135. Over one and a half. Double faults for Medvedev's minus 135. Plus 105 on the under. And Murray is over one and a half at minus 165. And under one and a half at plus 135. So first of all, even though you, you can make an argument that head to is not going to matter much because of where Murray stands in his current uh, career compared to where he was in his prime. I will briefly mention the head-to-head numbers between these players. Medvedev is 2-0. They faced off in 2019 in Brisbane, and Medvedev ended up winning that one in straight sets. And they faced off last year in Miami, and Medvedev beat him 6-4, 6-2. So Medvedev has done very well in the head-to-head We know that on hard court, he's one of the best hard court players in the world. And after a pretty lackluster 2022 season, based on preseason expectations, he's done very well this year because he ended up winning Rotterdam and he is now in the finals of Doha. So he's been playing very well. Has he he looked dominant per se? Not really. He's had some hard time holding serve. Ended up going to three sets, 7-5 in the third against O'Connell, which was a bit of a shocker there. And he did have to fight off a set point or it was two set points against Felix last uh, yesterday, but ended up doing so. So Medvedev has been good. Has he been amazing? Not really. I think he's been very solid, though. If I was grading it at a 10, I'd give him an 8. I think he's been solid, but he hasn't really looked dominant-dominant, but he's been good. But Met Murray, it's very tricky to fully grade Murray because we know how incredible his run has been in this event in particular, how he seems to have nine lives, and how he just never says... just. You know, just never say die. He's always willing to go down swinging, and he'll always leave it out all. He'll leave it all out on the court, which is why everyone seems to love him. I was never a big Murray fan in his prime, and I have to respect him for especially what he's done lately. I still get annoyed by all the whining he does and all the constant complaining and the screaming after every missed shot, which gets very annoying very quickly. But I have to give him his props and his flowers for playing extremely well based on all the health issues he's had in the past. Now, to look at his overall tournament so far, when three sets against Sonigo, when three sets against Zverev, and Zverev, we can agree, has not exactly been anywhere near the same guy that he was pre-injury, when three sets against Moore, and when three sets against Leshika. Now, Leshika, probably a future top 20 guy. I think he's been very solid. It's why that I picked him to make a deep run. Moore is really nothing to write home about. Zverev is not the same guy I used to be, but still a nice win, I guess. And Sonigo is a very streaky, hot-headed player who won an ATP title last year, but still not exactly a phenomenal player. Sonigo, I believe, is around... Where is he in the top? Uh, he's, he's around 70 in the ATP rankings, which seems a bit low. I thought he would have been in the 50s. But still, the point is he hasn't faced anybody of Medvedev's caliber, and I do wonder if that's going to be a problem in this final, especially with some potential fatigue. Now, I know the counter-argument is Mev, uh, Medvedev you know, has been playing relatively easy matches, went to th- uh, straight sets in two of the three matches here, but he did win the final in Rotterdam, so he has been playing a lot of tennis for the last couple of weeks. Murray, though, has gone the distance in each of the first four matches here, 
And you could say, well, the fatigue hasn't bothered him so far. And the counter argument is, once again, it's Medvedev, who keeps the ball in play arguably better than everybody else on tour besides, I don't even, I don't even know if you can say Nadal anymore, but Nadal and Djokovic. So Medvedev's a brick wall. This match should probably be like three hours if it turns into a marathon. But the point is, I do wonder if Murray's going to be fatigued, especially in the latter stages of this match. And I'm not going to fully overreact to what happened in the tiebreak, which Murray won. However, he did have a moment there of concern where it was 6-5. He was serving for the match with a tiebreaker match point. And he came to the net. Lechuka hit a drop shot, and it looked like Murray tweaked something. Now, he ended up winning the final two points after that to win the match. However, Murray did seem to tweak something in his foot, and I do kind of want to know how he is going to fare physically in what should be a serious grind against one of the best players in the world. So I understand why Murray is an underdog, obviously. Plus 520, bit much in my opinion. I think it should be closer to like 350 or so. Medvedev should be a hefty favorite, but Murray's very experienced in Doha. He's been in this tournament almost every year for the last, I don't even know, decade at this point. He's always here. And this is Medvedev's first trip to Doha. He's done well. He's in the final. But the point is, Murray's experienced here. He has a lot of crowd support. And I do think he can make this match interesting. If I was going to take Murray, I would probably take the games. I would not take the money line. I'm not picking him to win. But I do think Murray can make this match interesting and maybe push a set to a breaker. Maybe. But the point is, if you want to take a spin on, on two and a half sets on the over plus 190, I'm not going to roast you for it because you're up a bunch of units doing it with Murray in the first uh, in the first uh, four rounds of this event. So I'm not going to roast you for it, but I think Medvedev probably wins in straight sets, but I think it's competitive, and I think Medvedev probably wins it somewhere around 7-5, 6-4. I see something like that, but I am a bit concerned about the foot injury for Murray, and I am a bit concerned about fatigue, and Medvedev is by far the best player that Murray's faced in this competition. In fact, he's the best player that Murray's faced in a long time, because you look at his Australian Open run, he beat Berrettini. Now, Berrettini's been a bit streaky, had some injury issues, but still nice win there. Kokonakis, who's been good on the challenger circuit, on the ATP circuit, he's been okay, and lost to uh, Batista Goop, but he was kind of injured for that match. But Medvedev is one of the best players he's faced in a while, and I think it's going to show. Give me Medvedev, but I think this match is going to be competitive, and I think Murray should be able to pressure Medvedev's serve because Medvedev's serve has been a bit vulnerable in this event, and I can see a lot of breaks into this match. So I do like the over for total breaks at 4.5. I know it's minus 145, but I do think you're going to get some breaks, and I do like the over 1.5 breaks for Murray Plus 115, I think, is a good price because Murray is still a very good returner. We know Medvedev is not the best second server, and we know that he can double fault a lot. I think Murray's going to put pressure on. I don't know how effective he will be in terms of winning sets, but I think he'll be able to break on several occasions, and I think this should be competitive. So give me Medvedev in a close match, but give me Murray plus the four and a half games, and I'll lean smalling to the over 20 and a half, but nothing serious. Now, moving on to... Uh, what should we do next? You know, we'll do Marseille. We'll go in chronological order here uh, for the semis. So starting off with the semi that we're concerned about because we have Herkaz to win the title. Uh, he's taking on Bublik, and that spread is around two flat, a minus 110 apiece. Herkaz money line is minus 155. 
And Bublik on the other side is plus 135. Over under is around 23 and a half games at minus 115 on each side. Over two and a half sets is plus 120. Straight sets for either player is minus 150. And over 24 and a half games for an alternate is plus 100. So this match is expected to be very competitive. And Bublik, who entered this tournament not winning a single ATP match this year, is now in the semis, and he had a very nice comeback win there against Dimitrov. Really showed a lot of courage there in the tiebreak. Had that really sick drop shot when down match point, which helped him level the tiebreaker, which he inevitably won. But Bublik, we know the double faulting's a serious problem. He's also a bit of a head case, but he's been good. And Herkaz has really looked a bit vulnerable. He struggled against uh, Reddy. He ended up going three sets there, went three sets against Yammer yesterday. I have not been sold. Now, I did have a personal play on Herkaz to win the quarter at even money, which worked out well for me. It was a heart attack in the process. It was an absolute disaster, but he ended up getting it done. Now, to look at the actual head-to-head matches here, Herkaz has won the last four. Uh, They played in 2020 in Dubai, uh, and Bublik ended up winning. But they played in Wimbledon. Herkaz won in straight sets in 2021. It's grass. They'll all toss it out. In 2022, they played twice. In Dubai again, Herkaz got revenge, won 6-3, They played in Kazakhstan in 2022, and Herkaz won that one 6-4, But they did play in the United Cup in 2023, so they have played earlier this year, and Herkaz did win. However, it did go to straight sets. It did go to three sets, and Herkaz won the first set in a very lengthy tiebreak, 10-8. So the point is... It was a very competitive match. It was basically up for grabs. And I think as a result, this spread is warranted and this money line is warranted because I do think that Bublik is quite live to win this match. Now, Herkaz, the issue with him is the unforced errors. And if his first serve isn't going to be landing at a high clip, his second serve is quite vulnerable and that's going to be a problem for him. But Bublik, we know, is a head case. He gets in his own head all the time. Try some underhand serves on occasion, double faults all the time. It's not pretty. However, if you look at Herkaz's numbers in his match against Yemmer, just to just to prove my points about his serve, he had 19 aces and one double fault. Now, he landed 59% of his first serve points. He won 74% of those points compared to Yemmer's 62%. However, his second serve points, he only won 47% of them. So if his first serve is going to hover around 59%, he's going to lose the match, in my opinion. I think Yammer's going to give him a serious problem, and I think you'll end up... I think Bubik will give him a serious problem, and I think he's got a good shot to win this match. If Herkaz serves well, then I think you're probably looking at a breaker or two. So I am leaning to the over, but based on what I saw from these players yesterday... I think I am going to lean to Bublik. I hope I'm wrong because we got Herkaz at 550 to win the tournament. But I was not very impressed. And once again, I picked Herkaz to win the quarter and to win the tournament because he had a very easy draw in this event. And I do think having gone three sets against Yemmer, who has no firepower whatsoever, but great mover, and against a youngster in ready, and the fact that that was a battle both times, I have concerns. He also played in Rotterdam. So I'm a bit concerned about fatigue, but Bublik has always been a guy who usually has talent, but underachieves, but one or two tournaments a year, he shows up and he has a shot to actually win the damn thing. 
And this feels like his tournament. I just think that he's in a good spot. Beat Krajinovic in the first round. Destroyed Barrera, who's had a very good uh, year. And then beat Dimitrov, who's been very solid as well. I think I'm going to lean to Bublik here, especially a plus money. This match really does feel like a coin flip. I think you should see a tiebreaker too. Give me Bublik plus two and a half games, though. I could see a world where this goes 7-6-7-6 in favor of Herkaz, and you do have a little bit of insurance there. But I do think Bublik is quite live to win this event, and I think that he's quite live to actually win this match. So I will go with Bublik, leaning to the money line, leaning to the over as well. Bublik in three is kind of tempting, but I'll play it safe and I'll take Bublik plus two and a half games at minus 130. Now, moving on to the other semi, you have two guys who you might be surprised that are here. Phil's I'm not totally surprised by, and I mentioned on the last podcast that I thought Phil's would potentially give Sinner a run for his money, and I said Sinner was a guy who I was completely staying away from for this event because of fatigue and the fact that he ended up going to a final in Rotterdam after winning a tournament in Montpierre a couple weeks ago. So he was playing a lot of tennis, and I thought that he might struggle, and it didn't even show up. He ended up deciding to withdraw from the event. Phil's got a bye. Then he ended up destroying Waranka yesterday. That was a bloodbath. And now he's taking on Bonzi. So you have a French battle there in the semis. Now Bonzi is the more experienced player, and Bonzi ended up making the final of a tournament earlier this year. I believe it was in India. I think he made the final in. I want to say it was in India, and he ended up losing. But the point is, Bonzi has had a pretty good start to the year. Phil's an up-and-comer, but I'll tell you right now, the guy's going to be top 50 and probably beyond. He's got a lot of talent. I think he's very good. Uh, just to confirm, he ended up losing a Greek spore in India, so I was right about that. But the point is, Phil's is a solid player. And we saw him make a little bit of noise there in Montpierre. Didn't end up winning the tournament, but he looked very sharp. And he's also only 18 years old. He's really good for a guy his age. And he's actually favored in this match. He's around minus one, uh, 130, 140, give or take. Uh, and Bonzi is plus 120 the other way. First of all, I think Phil's a very good player. However, I think he should not be minus 140. This line feels a little bit off to me. I think there's value on Bonzi. The fact is, Bonzi, as I just said, made it to a final in India before, uh, in 2023. Phils is still very young, and I do wonder if he's going to struggle with this overall moment. Probably not, but I do have to ask myself if that's going to be an issue because I got to at least point out the fact that Bonzi has more experience. Bonzi's a good server, and he looked really good against Diminor. Now, Phils is a good player, as I said before several times, but... I do feel like I need a little bit more of a sample size before I willingly lay minus 140. And I know he beat Walranka in straight sets. Congratulations. Walranka is one of my favorite players of all time. But I've said it time and time again, him and team are nowhere near the players they used to be. And a win against either of them looks very good on a resume from afar. But when you look at it closely and you realize the year that's next to the actual uh, name, you see Walranka, you go, nice win. Then you see 2023 next to it, and suddenly you're not that impressed because is not exactly the player he used to be. He's a he's basically a shell of his former self, let's be real. If I'm going to roast Dimitrov for never winning, uh, for not winning uh, an ATP title since like 2018, and I'm going to roast you know Murray for not being a serious contender to win any Grand Slams and moving forward, at least Murray's made it to the Doha final. At least he's made some 
you know, solid efforts and he's been able to make deep runs. Warenka doesn't even get that far. Warenka makes it to a quarter and you're kind of thrilled. That's where he's at in his career. Same thing with team. It's really just, it's really just sad. But the point is, I'm not going to overreact to beating up on a washed up uh, Warenka. I, it's a nice win. Don't get me wrong. I'll lean to Bonzi. I do like the over in this match. I think it probably goes three sets, but I think I will lean to Bonzi. He's more experienced, and I do think that he should probably be closer to an even money or maybe a minus 110 apiece. I see a coin flip match here, but I'm not laying 140 with the 18-year-old. I'm not going to do that. So we'll see what happens there, but I will lean to Bonzi, and I will lean to the over two and a half sets at around plus 125. Now moving on to the... Uh, final tournament we're going to talk about, which is in Rio de Janeiro. And you have one somewhat competitive match, at least based on projection, and one that's supposed to be a route. Now, the somewhat competitive one, I'm even being a little bit generous because Nori's around minus 230, and Zapata Marais around plus 190 the other way. As for the game spread, Zapata is a plus three and a half, uh, or he could get four and a half with heavy juice at minus 155. And Nori, four and a half, uh, favored by four and a half is plus 125. Over under is 21 and a half, minus 110 apiece. And over two and a half sets is plus 145. So to look at the actual head to head, you're looking at a match that should be pretty competitive, especially since Nori is very willing to punt for sets. And I do think that's Zapata Marias, who won a thrilling match against Ramos Vinolas yesterday. He's looked really good. And Zapata Marias, I actually gave out on VEASAN a couple days ago as I talked about taking him over Sarundolo at like plus 145, and he won in three sets. The head-to-head's non-existent. They've never played each other before. Now, Nori has been playing a lot of tennis as he did make the final in Buenos Aires, and he had a very nice comeback win against uh, Delian yesterday. So that was a nice win for him there. And I mentioned how Zapata Marias had an absolute war and ended up outlasting his... Uh, his opponent there in Ramos Vinolas. But for this match here, I think the value is on Zapata Marias. I'm not laying roughly 250 with Nori. I'm just not going to do that. Uh, coming back from a set down against Delian is nice, but I do have to at least point out that Zapata Marias has been very good on clay this year, beat Munar in this tournament, beat Sarundalo, the good one, uh, not uh, Juan Martino, I think, is just not a good tennis player. And he ended up beating Ramos Vinolas, who's always been a very stingy clay court player. And even going back to Buenos Aires, beat the, beat Sarandolo again, uh, beat Pedro Martinez, who's always good on clay, and his only loss in the last couple of weeks was to Alcaraz, which is excusable. But the point is, I do think that Zapata Marais is quite live here. If this goes the distance and Nori wins in three sets, I would not be surprised. In fact, that's probably the way I'm leaning for this match. I think Nori in three has some value, and I do think that over two and a half sets at plus 145 is definitely worth a look. But do I think Zapata Marais is going to win the match? Probably not. I am concerned about fatigue after that marathon against Ramos Vinolas, but I will lean to the over, and I will lean to the games. I'll take the plus four and a half on Zapata Marais. I can see a three-set, a three-setter where Nori loses the first set like 6-3 or 6-4, Nori comes back and wins the second set 6-2, and he got a 6-4 war in the third set. So give me a Zapata, Marias, plus the four and a half games and the over in that one. And then last but not least, you have Alcaraz taking on Jari. Massive favorite, depending on where you shop. He's a huge favorite no matter what. 
but he's minus 600 at some books. He's minus 900 on other books on the money line. And for the spread, you're looking at basically four and a half with juice towards uh, Jari here at around plus 115. And the over-under is basically a flat 21 and minus 110 apiece. Now, Jari has looked phenomenal in this event. And to go through his overall results, destroyed Musetti in the first round, which is a very nice win. Then he ended up destroying... I skipped qualifying. So he ended up beating Ugo, 6-1-6-2, beat the bad Sarundalo, 6-2-6-3, destroyed Musetti, 6-4-6-1, destroyed Pedro Martinez, 6-2-6-2, and a nice win against Baez, 6-3-7-6. So he's not dropped a set in this event, and Alcaraz, despite winning and still being alive, has really not looked great. He ended up going to a pretty competitive 6-4-6-4 match against Alves, who is a relative unknown in the tennis world. He's ranked in the 500s. He's closer to being ranked 1,000th than being ranked number one in the in the world. So not exactly a great showing there by Alcaraz, but he ended up winning. Then he had his war against Fagnini, which was a battle. And then he ended up beating Lahovich yesterday, 6-4-7-6. But Lahovich was serving for the set in the second, had a, had a set point, actually. Then Alcaraz broke at 6-5 and then ended up winning the tiebreaker 7-0. So Alcaraz has definitely been living dangerously, but he's still here. I think I'm going to take Jari plus the 4.5. I have to acknowledge the overall eye test and how these players have looked. And Alcaraz, after playing in Buenos Aires... First tournament back in a month or two, won the title. Then he immediately parlays that into another clay tournament. And you could tell that he has not looked as sharp in Rio. And Jari has. I think Jari's actually live to win a set. I think he has a shot to really make this a war. But I do think that Jari getting four and a half games is definitely appealing. And I think that's where I'm going to lean for this one. I'm also going to... The, the over-under is tricky because I could see a 6-4-6-4, but I think I am leaning to the over. And if you want to take Jari to win a set, it's around plus 150. I don't mind that either. Now, Jari can hit some unforced errors, but his serve is still solid. And Alcaraz has really looked vulnerable despite being here. So I'm going to go with Alcaraz to win the match, but I'm definitely not going to pick him to cover the spread I think Jari keeps this close, and I think that he ends up covering this number. Give me some type of 6-4-7-6 match like we just saw against Lahovich. Give me a bit of a war here, and I think that when the match is over, Alcaraz will have his hand raised, but most importantly for us, Jari will cover the spread. So as you can tell, I do like a lot of underdogs on today's card, which should make this a lock and dog segment pretty interesting. But speaking of the lock and dog, before I should get into that, going to have a quick word from our sponsors. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the SportsCam Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting uh, and same-game parlays, a.k.a. WinBet's Build Your Own Bet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get $100 extra limited state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. So much to choose from. And all you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com slash winbet. So then we send you the sportscampodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T offer. Subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
hundred. The SGPN merch store continues to add new items to the store every day. Head over to store.sportscampodcast.com to get your favorite shirts, hats, sweats, and hoodie. My personal favorite item that they have on the merch store is, it's going to sound very cheesy, but I do like it. It's a coffee mug that says over or under two and a half cups of coffee. I think that's definitely something unique. It's funny. It makes me laugh when I look at it. And if you didn't know, you could also use mugs to drink stuff, not necessarily coffee related. I'm going to leave it there. But other than that, though, check out the merch store. A lot of great and really high quality products over there. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog is your home for off-season NFL best ball drafts. Plus, they got you covered for a ton of other daily games, including NBA, NHL, and PGA golf. Underdog Fantasy is a great way to get down on your favorite player props if they're not available in your state. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping the matches that we're going to see on Saturday. Time to get into the best bets. We're going to get into the lock and dog segment. Starting off with the lock, uh, as you can tell, I liked a lot of underdogs on today's card. The question was, which game spread do I want to take? Thought about either taking the Zapata Marais 4.5 or taking the Bublik 2.5. You know what? I'm going to go by based on what I saw yesterday. I'm going to take Bublik plus two and a half here against Herkaz. The fact that they played in the United Cup earlier this year and it went three sets, very competitive match that could have gone either way. I think Bublik has looked like the sharper player. I think that Herkaz has had the benefit of a really easy schedule in this event, and he has kind of struggled against Yemmer and a righty. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I pronounce it better next time, but he was a relative unknown at the time. Point is, Herkaz hasn't really played anybody worth a damn in this event, and you're looking at Bublik. He had a nice win against Dimitrov, ended up beating Barreri, who was solid, and Krajinovic, who has not been great this year, but still a tough player uh, who's been around for a while. I think Bublik is really poised to make a deep run to the final here, and I think he's got a good shot to win it. However, I am going to play it safe and take the two and a half games. Herc has a serve, has been very good from a first serve perspective, but the accuracy has not been there, which is why the first serve percentage has been a bit underwhelming, and it's why he has been quite vulnerable in this tournament. I mentioned how he was below 60% first serve in his match against Yemmer yesterday against against Wrighty in his first round. He also hit 59%. So the first serve percentage is a bit low, too low for my liking, and as a result, I'll take Bublik plus the two and a half games. Hopefully he wins us at 6-3, and then we're probably good because I'm expecting at least one breaker. But I could see Herkaz winning a set via tiebreak, and if that, that's the case, you might end up getting two tiebreaks and we win automatically. So either way, or win automatically if Herkaz wins the two breakers in straight sets. So either way, uh, my lock's going to be Bublik plus two and a half games at around minus 130. And for my dog, I got a lot of options. Uh, I'm not going to pick Zapata Marias. I think he's quite live, but I am not going to pick him to win the match. Thought about Jari, but of course, maybe to win a set, but now I feel like that's kind of forcing it. I'm not picking Murray to win the match either. Two and a half sets is fun if you want to go based on the trends that Murray has been an over-machine for that prop. However, I am going to go to a player prop instead. I'm going to go with Murray over one and a half breaks of serve at plus 115. Big reason why, we know Murray's one of the best returners of all time. I don't think he's the same caliber as Nadal and Djokovic, but in his prime, definitely up there. 
Nowadays, he's still a good returner. I mean, the issue is the serve is still not great and the movement isn't as good as it used to be, but he's been moving well in this tournament. And Medvedev, if you look at his service uh, overall performances, really not great. So far in Doha, he has dropped one set, but he has been broken a lot in this tournament. He won in straight sets against Felix, got broken two times anyway. Played O'Connell, got broken two times in that match as well. Played Brody, won the match 6-4, 6-3, so you'd assume that he rolled. He actually got broken twice. In fact, he had to face five break points and ended up failing to hold them off twice. So he's been broken at least two times in each of the first three matches here in Doha. Even going back to last tournament in Rotterdam, Sinner broke him twice. Uh, Dimitrov broke him once, but still had five break points. Felix ended up breaking him once, but had a couple break points as well. Point is, you're looking at the last couple matches, including Sinner in that final in Rotterdam. It's four straight matches. He's been broken at least two times. And if you want to look at Murray's recent return games uh, with his success returning serve, he broke Leshika five times last round. Uh, He ended up uh, breaking Mueller five times as well. He broke Zverev three times, and he broke Sonigo twice, but he did have eight breakpoint chances. So the point is, I do think that Murray, who has been pretty active in opposing service games, can make Medvedev work, and I think he'll make Medvedev blink a couple of times. Now, the concern is that he's only had one breakpoint total. That's opportunity against Medvedev in the two head-to-head matches in their careers. But I do think that based on how comfortable Medvedev is, uh, has looked returning compared to serving in his own right. He's been very good at returning, but the serve has been a bit inconsistent. And the fact that Murray is so accustomed to playing in Doha and the fact that this is Medvedev's first trip here, I do think Murray can break a couple of times. I'm hoping it goes three sets just because you want more service games to work with. But I think you could see a set where maybe Murray breaks twice in the first set. I know we cashed in the Australian Open. We took Kakanov over one and a half breaks against Korda. Or no, it was against Tsitsipas. And he broke twice in the first set. It is possible to win in the first set. But I do think that plus 115 for a guy that's been very good at returning against a guy that's been underratedly vulnerable at serving with the double fault issues as well with the second serve. I'll take Murray to break twice in this match at plus 115. So once again, the lock for the show on Saturday is going to be Bublik plus two and a half games against Herkaz at minus 130. And if you want to pivot, you could also take the over if you want to do that. But besides that, though, uh, the dog is going to be Murray plus uh, Murray over one and a half breaks of serve at plus 115. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We're back once again uh, for the Sunday action for the Marseille final and for the Rio de Janeiro final. But you can find me on Twitter, Rice Show Radio. Besides this podcast, you can find me on the NBA Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast. I know it's the offseason, but I'm sure we'll have a couple of shows. Probably going to be on the PropCast at some point, but of course going to be on the WNBA show when it starts back up in a couple of months. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone. 